Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in today. This is episode 96, and there's a lot of talk right now in the world. It is January, early January 2024, a lot of chat about AI. And this series, I have used AI to ask me questions because I hadn't really shared much of my story since episode one, and we're getting close to episode 100. So I thought it was time I do a 10-episode series on me and what my life was like as a professional snowboarder. Um, again, this is episode 96. I do everything similarly. I just don't have a guest on. It's it's ChatGPT asking me questions. Well, I mean, I've asked ChatGPT to ask me questions and I say them and then you hear my answers. Uh, I do start the series off with the 10 rapid fire questions. I don't know if you're getting sick of them, but I think they're kind of fun and they change up every now and then. So let's get started on episode 96. This is Life Beyond Snowboarding. Now, the previous episodes, I talked about my last Olympic experiences. Um, that's episode 95 as well as episode 94. Because I went to four Winter Olympic Games, I didn't want to put them all into one 30-minute episode. I wanted to give you a full idea of what all of those Olympics were like. So they're over two episodes. All right. Episode 96, Life Beyond Snowboarding. Let's get started with the rapid fire, which again, I haven't read really at all. I just asked ChatGBT to come up with some fun questions for me. Oh God, here we go. Number one, favorite type of exercise. Do you prefer... <laughs> Do you prefer cardio workout, strength training, or something else for exercise? If I had to choose, I would just choose sports. Like I love swimming and that gets you pretty fit. Um, I love snowboarding and that keeps your legs strong. But you, if you do follow me on social media, you will know that I do spend a lot of time in the gym. I follow an app um, that I found over uh, COVID uh, with Kira Stokes and I just – I, I'm not getting paid by her or anything. I just needed someone to follow. And so I do her exercises, which are all of the above of what ChatGPT just asked me, cardio, strength, um, and other things. Like, I just love that. And I don't have to think. I think that's what's really important about it. I don't have to think. I can just follow her along and know that I will never look like her. And that is fine, but I feel stronger myself. And it also helps my mental health. So... That was a long-winded answer about my favorite type of exercise. <laughs> Number two, most recent hobby. Have you picked up any new hobbies or interests recently? Okay, this has nothing to do with Taylor Swift, but um, when I was recovering from um, my head injury from 2014, I asked my mom if she could get me some of that um, – what's it called? Like, you know when you have – um, all the like needlework on a pillow. I wanted to do that just so I could like do something, but she bought me friendship bracelet thread. So back then in 2014, I had made friendship bracelets. I think I made one cause my head really wasn't working that well. Um, and I was organizing my house and I found the stuff and I was like, do you know what? That might be a really nice Christmas present. So, um, I started random hobby making friendship bracelets again out of thread. And I know that Taylor Swift does friendship bracelets at her concert or something like that, but those are like the plastic ones. These are like the real like, you know, sit, watch TV and make a friendship bracelet kind of thing. Super random, I know, but 
whatever. I like multitasking. Okay, favorite childhood TV show. What was your favorite childhood TV favorite TV show when you were a child? Gosh, I feel like it was like the Saturday or Sunday morning cartoons, which was like, what's popping into my head? Well, they just said like, rather than being a millennial, you you're the Ducktales um, group, and I and I and I vibe with that. I'm into that. Um, so yeah, I think of Ducktales and like, there was one with like a bear that flew a plane, and then there's like Chip and Chip and Dale, and not the strippers. <laughs> But uh, yeah, all those like 80s cartoons I, I was a fan of. Also, Gem and the Holograms. I can't forget that. I dressed up as her a lot. Um, that was a good one. Number four, dream vacation destination. If you go to your dream vacation now, where would it be? Well, I just came back from Fiji and I talked about it. I knew that was a new place I was going and I would go back there. Um, I fell in love with that place. It was so beautiful. The water is so blue and the people are so nice and the food is amazing. Amazing. Uh, number five, preferred type of weather. Okay. Well, we just had it yesterday. Uh, what's the date today? It, it is, um, January 7th, 2024, January 6th, 2024 in Whistler. We just had like my most preferred weather day. It was sunny out and it had snowed overnight. And I just think that that is like in a mountain town, that is the all time, uh like you can see where you're snowboarding, the sun is shining, it's the best of both worlds. That That's my preferred weather type. I also like summer and I like being hot, but like it's winter right now. So that's where, I'm, where my head's at. Uh, last movie you watched. What's the last movie you watched and why did you enjoy it? I'm not going to say I enjoyed it, but I watched um, – Oh God, what's it called? Salt, salt, saltberg, salt, salt, something like that. Um, <laughs> it's new on Netflix and I watched it and it's a twist and turn of events and I watched it. Salt, salt burn, I think that's what it was called. Do I recommend it? Yeah, go watch it. It's weird. It's different. Um, just don't watch it with your family, like your parents. <laughs> um, but wait till the last scene. It's, it's hilarious. Okay. Favorite type of art. Do you have a favorite type of art, like painting, sculpture, or photography? I'm a sucker for paintings, not just because I paint, but also like I love looking at other people's art and just kind of under trying to understand most of it. Some of it I don't get. Like I remember going to the Vancouver Art Gallery and seeing a, a blank canvas. And if you were in the right light, you would see like a faint amount of like trees in there. I was like, well, that's just kind of rude. <laughs> And art is art. So you depict it how you depict it. And I think that's a choose your own adventure and really, really cool. Uh, morning routine must have. Is there one thing you must do every morning to start your day right? No. Like short answer, no. Certainly you must do. I have to pee every morning probably. Um, it's probably we probably want something more in depth. Um, I'd like to – I don't, see, I don't drink coffee. Like people's go-to would be coffee. I'm like, I chug a lot of water in the morning. There, that's my morning must have water. Uh, number nine, favorite board game or card game. What's your go-to board game or card game for a fun night with friends or family? Okay, my family and I, we play Corkle, which is a fun game. Uh, I tried to get them to play Catan and that did not go over well. We're a fairly competitive family. So I think Corkle is kind of like a good um, – 
even playing field for everyone. And uh, it's super easy. It's just like kind of like dominoes with um, little emblems on it. Best piece of advice you receive. What's the most valuable piece of advice you've ever received and did you follow it? Well, again, I go back to my dad saying school will always be there. Sport will not always be there. And reflecting back now, I'm like, yeah, good thing I went snowboarding because that went pretty well for me and I really enjoyed it. Um, That is the rapid fire. We did it. We made it through 10 more questions. Now we're going to get into life beyond snowboarding. Um, transitioning from my competitive career to life beyond snowboarding in this episode. Um, let's see what ChatGPT came up with. Okay, number one, <laughs> balancing act. Balancing the demands of being a professional athlete and personal life can be challenging. How do you manage to find that balance? Are there specific strategies you employ? Um, I do have to like, do a shout out to my friends that are in Whistler and also um, in Mammoth that kind of like everyone keeps you a little bit grounded. So I think that keeps the demands of things at bay. Um, my friends in Whistler would always be aware that I was on the road and not always available. Um, but when I came home, I'd be like, yeah, let's hang out. So um, that balancing act is kind of finding the right people that fit into your life that um, aren't super needy, I guess. <laughs> they don't need me all the time. Um, but when I'm home, I get to hang out with them. So I, yeah, I think it's just like having good people in your life. And I always like to say like good people bring good people into your life. So if you're a good person, you're going to have good people in your life. Uh, interest beyond snowboarding. Snowboarding is a significant part of your, your life. Fact. Um, what are some other interests or hobbies that you are passionate about outside of the snowboarding world? Gosh, I'm so embedded in snowboarding and sport and very passionate about it now, sitting on um, a lot of boards and all of that. But I kind of did fall into um, working events. So I love going to events. I love kind of knowing like the other side of how things work. Like if you go to the Olympics and you see all of this like – I don't know, even just the finished corral or like all of this stuff that's set up in front of you. I'm the one that's like, who did that? How did they do that? And where did all this come from? Like I like that back end kind of stuff from events. So that's kind of an interest that I had um, as well. And I also wanted to make sport better for athletes in the next generation because I didn't always have it that great. Um, being on the national team. And I'd be the first to say that. So now I give back um, in a way. And I'm pretty passionate about that as well. Influence on personal growth. Reflecting on your snowboard career, how do you believe the sport has influenced your personal growth and development as an individual? (gasps) I mean, it's shaped me into who I am. I went from a girl that like was 14 and didn't want to talk to anyone and just wanted to snowboard to um, being able to give keynote speaking engagements, have a podcast, uh, really kind of get outside of my comfort zone and also be able to talk to people and not be afraid and not be super shy. So, um, my snowboard career pretty much has made me and shaped me other than what my parents and friends have done behind the scenes as well into, my own personal growth and development. And it's also given me opportunities that 
um, I was able to say yes to or I, opportunities I I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this, but like I'll put my name in and see what happens and and being okay with like not getting it and then also getting it and trying to like learn something new um, because of these opportunities. And we'll get into that a little bit later actually in the next question. Um, yeah, really grateful for my career in snowboarding because it's it's brought me so many different opportunities and I've met so many different people. It's really made me grow as a human. Okay. Um, I did put in to ask me about the RBC Olympian program because it's a program that I just said, like, I'll put my name in. I don't know what's going to happen. I put my name in when I was super concussed to be a part of this program. Um, and what ChatGPT asks is, being part of the RBC Olympian program is a unique aspect of your post-snowboarding journey. Can you share how this program has contributed to your transition and current activities? Ha! Very much so. Um, so the RBC Olympian program is a program that came about a long time ago. And uh, RBC, you apply to be an RBC Olympian. And within that, it becomes you're either going to work in office and get in office experience, or you can be a um, just a, uh, an athlete speaker. So different people throughout RBC in your province or your area will be able to um, kind of hire you to give a speaking engagement um, about your sport or about your journey uh, to their clients, to their staff, to whoever um, it may work for them. And I applied when I was super concussed, not knowing in 2014 if I was going to be able to snowboard again. And so when I applied to this program, I kind of shared my story and my story, my story wasn't finished because I was like, I went to two winter Olympics. Yes. I was sixth in Vancouver. Awesome. Oh no, sorry. I went to three winter Olympics, hit my head, was sixth in Vancouver, did really well. Like three Olympics is a lot for a person. Um, and so I had a story to share. I also wanted the work experience in office to see if this is something that I wanted to be a part of, if I, if this is a journey I wanted to take. And um, I spent four years in this program. And so I would spend like three months of my year uh, in office kind of working in the events department in Vancouver, as well as when you work in office, you do share your stories as well to like whoever wants you to be part of the program um, and come share your stories. So beginning like of that program, we get help kind of creating and and morphing our stories, kind of like you would in a TED Talk. They give you like a coach to like kind of get your story on a path that sounds good. Um, and without their help, I would I – I mean – I love telling stories, but having the like gripping facts of like what's important, what to emphasize and what to share and how to share it was super helpful. So I began sharing my story um, with RBC clients and uh, I don't know, I think one of my bosses um, or something happened where I got another opportunity to be part of the TEDx um, Granville speaking engagement. So I had to do a 15-minute TED Talk, which was very cool and very scary. I was still pretty concussed. And I missed the timeline, the time frame of getting like that help to form my speech. So that was all me without the TEDx people helping. Um, really cool experience. 
I want to remember when I was practicing and I would like FaceTime friends being like, can you just listen to this and like tell me if it's good? And I was so exhausted. I'd done it like my speech 10 times in a day or something like that. And then I went and hung out and had a coffee with Matt Fisher, my trainer. And I was like, dude, I'm so exhausted. And he's like, well, what have you been doing? And I was like, I've been like just rehearsing for this TEDx talk. And he's like, well, Mercedes, you've been like rehashing the worst time in your life 10 times over. No wonder you're exhausted. And I was like, oh, right, 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 right. Yes, yes, that is exhausting. That is mentally exhausting. Um, So through that RBC program, so much happened. I grew so much as a person. I really like was happy to share my story with so many people because I honestly didn't know what was going to happen next. And everyone would be like, well, what's next? I'm like, well, I I got to figure out like if I can snowboard again. And then with the like love and feedback from everyone listening to my story, it kind of pushed me a little bit more to want to be able to snowboard. I had that passion deep inside me, um, but I really, really wanted to see what 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 was possible. Um, and I don't think without that program, I would have made it to my fourth Winter Olympic Games. So I like mad kudos to the RBC Olympian program, not for only understanding work experience, but allowing athletes to share their journeys. Because as you know, on this podcast, if you've listened to any of them, everyone has a story. And I think that they're so magical. Um, like, It's just such a wild journey. I also spent three months in Toronto. I decided I wanted to work in the events department in Toronto and see like if this is something I wanted to do. Shout out to that whole crew. Um, Jennifer, thank you for having me. I had to go through like a whole interview process to see if they wanted me. Um, Lexi, you're amazing. Everyone at the office was so great. I, I had a blast. I was there for three months and then I realized, cool, cool, cool. I don't think that this <laughs> downtown lifestyle is for me. I Everyone always said to me, they're like, if you move to Toronto, you're going to miss the mountains. And I was like, ah, whatever. Like I've been in the mountains for so long. It's like, let's see if I can do this. And just to have that opportunity to be like, yeah, no, I like visiting Toronto. Um, and I had a great time while I was there, but that just that lifestyle isn't isn't for me. I'm, I'm a mountain girl. And I had to figure that out because I'd been on snow for freaking my whole life. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. That was the RBC Olympian program. Shout out to them. Um, work-life balance. You've been involved in various professional roles while continuing to pursue snowboarding. How do you manage working while also staying committed to your athlete, athletic pursuits? So this is an interesting question because I don't think a lot of people would know this because, yes, I did have sponsors that helped me um, get to where I was. But after 2014, I probably didn't have that many sponsors. And also, ever since I was young, I worked at summer camps at like High Cascade or um, up at Broome Ridge. I did my work experience there and um, and at um, Camp Champions as well. And that was like how I could stay on snow throughout the summer to be able to kind of get a little bit more income um, and still snowboard and pursue what I wanted to do. That was like my whole thing. I just wanted to be on snow as much as possible. And I'm sure anyone that is now in the snowboard world that's the age I was then feels the same way. Like it's, 
it's just so gripping and it's something you want to do all the time. Um, I also, after 2014, started not snowboarding as much in the summers. Uh, and I picked up probably like three different jobs in the summers and the fall to be able to afford um, to snowboard because uh, the outerwear company that I rode for no longer existed. And so part of my income was gone and uh, I still wanted to snowboard. I still loved it. I was still passionate about it. Um, and yeah, I worked my little tushy off to get where I was. Also have to say a shout out to Can Fund. That is um, Jane Roos putting together fundraisers to help athlete get money into athletes' pockets. That was a huge help as well. Um, I got that I got that um, funding a fair few times throughout my career that helped me also be on the road um, more than half of the year. So that was amazing as well. Uh, let's move on to the athlete representative for Canada Snowboard. As I said before, okay, let's see what they ask. Serving as an athlete rep for Canada Snowboard is a significant responsibility. Oh, thanks, ChatGPT. Um, how does this role align with your passion for the sport, and what are your key responsibilities in this position? All right, so it's a really interesting path. About seven years ago, I was approached by our by Canada Snowboard's executive director, and he wanted athlete, uh, Canada Snowboard to have an athletes council. And I was like, I don't, I've never, I don't really know what this is. Um, so I was taken to Athlete Can Forum, which is um, its own entity uh, where they bring all athlete representatives together once a year. And at this forum, you kind of get an understanding of where other national sport organizations are at in the sense of, do they have an athlete representative does the athlete actually have a voice to be able to talk to the board of directors? Does the athlete representative actually know that there is a board of directors at their national sports organization and that national sports organizations are run like a business? So when you're in sport as an athlete, you're not thinking about any of these things. I just want to – it's kind of like – I've talked about this before. It's very like selfish kind of mode that you're in because you're like, I want to snowboard. I want to do this. I need to achieve this. I got these goals. Um, you're not thinking about what's happening in an office where they're helping you get to your next spot and put all your administration in. Um, and being an athlete representative and learning over the last seven years what it's like has made me grow so much and get a better understanding and also share with the athletes what like that that relationship between national sports organization and the athlete to give them a better understanding of how it all works and how we can help the athletes better. So that's my role as the athlete representative. I'm there to listen to the athletes, share with the national sports organization and the board mostly, um, and report back and forth. And we created an Athletes Council for Canada Snowboard about, yeah, seven years ago. And because we have five different disciplines in snowboarding, um, I don't know, I hope this isn't boring for everyone. Um, but we, I'm like, you can tell I'm passionate about it and ask me why I'm passionate about it. Because I want sport to be better for athletes. Like, I did not have a great time in the system. And I just want there to be 
communication and the athletes be heard. Um, so yeah, seven years ago, Athletes Council, five different disciplines. We try and have at least one person from each discipline reporting um, in our council meetings. And then we make a report to the board and we try and make things better for the athletes. And it's been a really cool process because the board does listen and change does happen. It is not fast. Um, if anyone in business is listening, they know that. Uh, but it's been amazing and I've had wonderful opportunities. I've actually also sat on the Athletes Can board for two years, um, but prior to 2018. And that was a big learning curve as well. Uh, and, and now I also sit on the Canadian Olympic Committee Athletes Commission, which all of these roles you're voted in by the athletes. So um we're just here to help and want to make sport better for the athletes and have like the best experience that you can have. Um, yeah, that's, that's the athlete representative. And I hope that it carries on and it, and it just happens forever. It's very interesting. Um, in Canada, our past sport minister who's just changed minister St. Ange has said and put into writing that by 2025, every national sports organization has to have an athlete on the board, an athlete representative on their board, which is mind-blowing because most people would be like, well, aren't there already? Like that should be a, a standard. No, it's not a standard yet. So now it will be, and um, it should be an exciting journey moving forward for a sport in Canada to have the athlete voice heard, which is very cool. Volun okay, ChatGPT asked me another question. Volunteering at the Youth Olympic Games 2020. All right, I did that. I again, I say yes to opportunities, or I put my name into these things, and um, it's 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 such an amazing um, world to be part of because I do want to give back to sport. I think you can probably hear it in my voice. Like I want to be there for the athletes so that they understand what they're getting themselves into. Um, and when I applied to be part of the Youth Olympics for 2020, um, which was a full volunteer job, it was through um, the Athlete 365 program, which is part of the Lausanne programming um, for the Olympics. And I was helping Team Canada as a staff member um, at the 2020 Youth Olympics, which were in Lausanne. But I was in a satellite village, which is very common for me. I'm always, I've always been at a satellite village, most of my four Olympics. Um, and I was the staff member there with, um, the physio Jamie, who I freaking loved shout out. And we had all the sliding athletes and I love them all so much. Uh, and I've had a fair few of them on the podcast. So definitely check those girls out. They were our losers. Um, Natalie and Caitlin. They are on the podcast, and we chat about the Youth Olympics there. Such a great experience. Um, I wasn't with the snowboarders, which was wild, but I sent them a video to be like, guys, everyone's volunteering here pretty much, so be kind, enjoy it, but also understand you're representing Team Canada because sometimes we forget and we get in this like snowboard vibe world that we think we're too cool, um, but the Olympics are something really, really special, and you kind of learn that when you go to your first ones, and I was kind of like dubious about what the youth Olympics were about until I got there. And I was like, no, these are amazing. What a great opportunity for kids to understand how the Olympics work. It's kind of like a firsthand experience. So when you go to your first Olympics, if you qualify, 
you kind of know what to expect, which when I went in 2006, if you listen to the prior podcast, I was like, I don't know what I got myself into. Um, so things are getting better and it's amazing. Um, mental health awareness. Mental health awareness is increasingly important in sports community. How do you advocate for mental health awareness? What steps do you take to prioritize your own mental well-being? Like, did talk about that with my workouts and I do acknowledge that I suffer from depression a lot. Um, in the fall. And I live in a wonderful community that, again, asks me if I will donate my time to share my story. Um, I never want anyone to think that they're alone out there and feeling the feels that they're feeling, or even if they're not feeling anything and feel that depressed. Um, So yeah, I just donate my time and I, I, I just want the world to be a better place and a more understanding place and kind of destigmatize that. I've also worked with jack.org. Um, we have a video uh, that we put together and I, before COVID, we did a, um, a fundraiser in Whistler where you could ride with Olympians and we would raise funds and people would get an amazing experience for a lot less than it actually costs to actually ride with an Olympian at Whistler Blackcomb. Um, so yeah, I do a lot of things. I've also have a video um, with Bell Let's Talk through the Canadian Olympic Committee that was leading up to the 2018 games, I think. Um, and yeah, all of that's on my website, mercedesnickel.com. You can check out all those videos uh, near and dear to my heart. And as the latest, I did one with Shaw um, on their spotlight, Shaw TV in the Sea to Sky Corridor. And uh, just sharing my story again, because it doesn't fade away. Depression doesn't fade away. So uh, I just try and right now it's January. I've been working out every day um, with my Kira app and trying to get outside, trying to take some vitamin D as much as I can. Um, because I did a whole series on mental health, uh, trying to help myself also get out of that slump of that shoulder season blues and happens to everyone. But when the sun's not shining, it is challenging. So do what you need to do to, uh, to make yourself happy. Uh, hosting a podcast, transitioning to host your own podcast is a significant shift. Yes, it is. What inspired you to start a podcast and what themes or discussions do you find most fulfilling? Mm. Oh my gosh. I think like every episode, even these ones, I learn more and more, not just about myself, but about other sports, about other things that happen, like the way people tick. That is what's fulfilling to me. How did I get involved? Thank you, Brent Donnelly. Uh, He reached out to me and said, I think you'd be good at this. And uh, this is where we are. We're dropping in all the time now. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, Okay. The last one is Ride with an Olympian at Whistler Blackcomb. Hosting experience like Ride with an Olympian at Whistler Blackcomb brings you closer to the community. Can you share memorable moments, interactions from these experiences? Um. Yes, I just I have the best clients. I love my clients so much. I I get to see them progress. Um if I get them from like a um, a beginner stage and I get to see them progress to like actually cruising with their families and having a good time if they're kids or even if I just have them for like one day and I get to teach them something new that they haven't learned or go down a steeper grade that they didn't think that they could. I I get a lot of joy out of that, and uh, and it makes me really happy. And and if you want to come ride with me, you are more than welcome. It's on the Whistler Blackcomb website, or you can find it on my website. 
Um, private lessons are pretty expensive. Ride with Olympian is only $200 more than a private lesson. So you can, I can have up to five people and I would love to go riding with you guys. Um, skiers or snowboarders, happy to guide you on the mountain if that's what you would like. Because sometimes the mountain is like daunting if it's your first time here and you don't know where to go. We've got over 200 runs. How do you know where to go? I had um, someone come up to me the other day and be like, they're a snowboarder. And they're like, we went on Blackcomb and we went on the one green run, but it was a cat track. And I was like, yeah that's not where you want to go. <laughs> so um, this is my backyard and I enjoy sharing it with everyone. So come ride with me. I would love it. I hope you've enjoyed this series um, so far with a little bit of AI helping me. This was Life Beyond Snowboarding. I've had a blast sharing this with you. This is episode 96. It is January 6th and i I have had – oh, it's January 7th, guys. Um, I look forward to the next episode, which will be advocacy and community engagement, which if you know me and you live in Whistler, I'm all about it. Thank you. Thank you so much for dropping in. You can hit me up on social media if you have anything that you would like to say or hear uh, at on Instagram and Facebook at Dropping In With Mercedes. And you can always find me on Twitter too. I know it's called X. I'm just not ready to do like dive into that one yet. Um, but I'm at Mercedes Nickel, N-I-C-O-L-L. You can always pop into my website, droppinginwithmercedes.com and see what I have going on there. You can re- leave me a comment there as well. Uh, hit up the Cryer Media website for more podcasts at crier.co. Thank you again so much for dropping in. I really do look forward to uh, your comments and seeing if you're loving it. So um, yeah, just uh, Let me know how you like this. Thank you. Have a good day. So much for dropping in today. You can find everything you want to know about dropping in with Mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks DJ Kenosis for the music and my mom for the intro voice. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Do, did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty 
from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.